before, but my favorite service of the week is the Sunday night service. Um, all the kids are out here. There's no master club. It's three-year-olds training session. Um, it's just a fun family like feeling out here. And I think it's neat. The song that we're going to sing tonight talks about um, all of us, we all come from different walks of life. We have different stories. I know on our ladies' retreat, Mrs. Brown had some of our newer ladies give their testimonies, and it was such a blessing to hear how God worked in their lives and how they got saved and how they came to salvation. And we all have that common bond. We all come here on Sunday nights, and um, we have that bond, and it's our salvation, our common salvation. And this song talks about that. I hope it's a blessing.
different stories of life when we were lost, yet somehow, oh, somehow, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, we all came to the blessing, isn't it? First time I ever heard that. That's good. We need to hear that again. It's a great song. Turn to Psalm 107 tonight. Psalm 107. Last time I heard this little thought here, this little passage that I'm going to give you tonight was in 2011. Brother Hector Sharpetta preached out of these verses, he preached on the thought, at wit's end. You ever been there? <laughs> you ever been at wit's end? Tonight I'm preaching on sailing through wit's end. The context of Psalm 107, if you see in the verses we're going to look at, verses 21 through 31, there are people that went down to the sea. They were sailors, and they were traveling. They got into a storm. And uh, things happened when they got into the storm that we want to take a look at tonight. 107, you start in verse 1. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. That's where that verse comes from in the context of this chapter. And talking about that people would praise the Lord. Then verse 13, they then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. The Bible says in verse 19, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Think God's trying to tell us something here? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them out of their destruction. Now pick up verse 21. We're going to read it through verse 31 together. All that men would praise the Lord... For his goodness and for his wonderful works unto the children of men, there's that exclamation mark. I love those. God's telling us this is, a, this is a point of importance here. He makes a statement and says, emphatic, all that men would praise me. Watch this. And he let, uh, in verse 22, and he let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to ships, see that, to, to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters. They see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. Can't go anywhere without some wind in your sail. God gives it to them. Watch this. Not in the way they would think or maybe want. They mount up to the heavens. They go up and down again in the depths. Their soul is melted because... Of trouble. Ever had any trouble? Sir. Ever been the wit's end? They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. 
Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then they are glad, because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Wow. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for the wonderful works of the children of men. I want to preach tonight on sailing through wit's end. Let's pray. Lord, help us tonight. Many of our church are distressed. Many are going through many things. Lord, I thought the other day, I think it's been a long time since so many families in our church are going through difficult things at the same time. Lord, you know, you're aware. Help us to help us to get help tonight from you when we go through these seasons, these seas, these storms. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, part of the job of a pastor is to be aware where the flock's at and trying to come up with thoughts and uh, instruction during those times to be of help. I hope this is a help to you tonight. I really do. Um, the Bible says that these men at sea, they reel to and fro like a stagger, like a drunken man. They're at their wit's end. The word wit means wisdom's end. The word wit means wisely, skillful man or own ability. When you get to the, when you've done all you can do, that's what it means. Here's another phrase, end of your rope. It, it, it has the same meaning. It has the meaning of wisdom, skill for war, wisdom in administration, shrewdness, prudence, wisdom in ethical and moral situations. So in other words, God is trying to say, when you come to the end of yourself, when you can only do what you can do, you've got one more thing you can do, and that's trust the Lord. These men here are sailors. They're in great distress. They're tossed in a violent storm. And then we read they come to this place of wit's end. This is when our wisdom is all used up, when all our former knowledge is spent. This is when all our stored up skill is exhausted. This is when every experience, a bit of experience, ability has been used. And I think I've been there a few times. I think some of you have too. Uh, you don't know what else to do, what to say. Sometimes as a preacher, it's difficult for me. I don't know, I don't know what to say sometimes. I think sometimes it's good not to say anything, just to be there, just to listen. Amen. But it's a tough place to be. It's when you've tried everything to find a place of safety, but you find none. It's a, it has the idea of stretching your mind and thinking as much as you can for help in your storm. It has the meaning of pulling uh, out of your vast storehouse all the personal experience, and you still come up short and even empty at times. Now, Paul been there. Remember, they were at sea in the book of Acts, and the Bible says, when all hope that they should be saved or survive the storm was lost. 
The Bible said they cast overboard all the tackling, and they cast four anchors, and they wished for the day. I mean, there wasn't anything they could do. And then Paul, what did Paul do? He said, he said, Father, he's on, he's talking to his father. And that's when Paul went back and said, hey, it's going to be all right. No, the Lord told me this night. You know, sometimes the Lord drives us in trouble to get us to look up, to get us to go to him because we can't do it ourselves. And not just wish for the day, you know, if we're lucky, we'll get through this, but no, oh God, help us. And God comes to our aid. This is a perfect illustration of that. Life is like a journey at sea many times. And we're in the ship and we're carrying our cargo and our goods and our family and ourselves and we're, we're seeking for this fair haven of rest and peace. It sounds so great. But life is like a troubled sea too. It's up and down. We want to sail the calm seas, but instead we're tossed and we're sailing in difficult uh, a difficult storm. It's windy. It's dark. It's dangerous. And we are at our wit's end. Again, wit's end is when we've exhausted and all that we can do. And when you get in wit's end, you get tired, weary. You get weary sometimes. You get exhausted spiritually, even physically. You get frustrated. Sometimes at this time, you even get angry. You get fed up reach your limit. Have you been to wit's end? Are you there now? Maybe. And you're trying to figure it out. And you have looked at all the ways. You've turned it sideways and backwards. And you've taken it up and you've looked at it in a different light. You've tried it all yourself. And uh, you're still at wit's end. Maybe in finances, maybe in health issues, maybe in family difficulty, maybe in marital disagreement, maybe the storms of life, just they're there. And again, as pastor of the church, not that I'm anything special, but God makes me aware of some things some people are going through. But there is a certain percentage in any local church that they don't tell anybody. Now, I'm, I'm a book easily read. I mean, I... I tell on myself. My, my kids used to be upset with me because I'd tell on their sins and their problems in the pulpit. My wife sometimes gets embarrassed. I'd tell too much. That's me. But some of you, you don't tell anybody. You suffer alone. You try to be strong. You try to, you try to figure it out. You know you're hurting yourself by doing that because we need one another's prayers. And um, I pray that you would open up and let others help you. And then also, let the Lord help you. Yeah. I prayed for you, and I continue to do so. But there's some of you, I really don't know where you're at. Because you're, you're, you're clammed up. You're, you're tight. You're, you're to yourself. We go through pain and heartache, and there's others that are there that want to encourage us, but we don't know exactly what to say. And sometimes when we, somebody goes through things, we say the wrong things. Not intentionally. I've been there. I've had people say things to me, and it didn't help me. But at least I knew people cared. Amen. 
Be careful of your hurt heart and how you feel with others trying to help. Really, really, they really have good intentions. But the Lord wants to help you tonight, I believe, with this sermon. Uh, times of storm. Now, in times of storm, the Bible teaches us that we're going to gain some information. Amen. We're admonished in Scripture to help one another. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 2, Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The law of love. I mean, we can figure this out. In love, we can say, well, I, don't, I can't do much, but I can do this. Whatever God puts on your heart to do, do it. Sometimes we wait too long. Sometimes we're worried about how to offend people or affect people. We have an example in the Word of God. An example of request, Paul himself. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5.25, Brethren, pray for us, he says. He says in 2 Thessalonians 3.1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Paul was going through storms. He physically went through some storms. And many times spiritually. And when we do, we come to the end of our rope at times. We come to the end of our ways. We come to wit's end. A time when we, we need a deliverance that seems impossible. We need help that seems, we need help that's adequate, but we feel inadequate. A time when you think that you're going under, a time that you feel like you're, you're so overwhelmed, and we face these impossibilities, these improbabilities, we need to remember some things, and I want to share these with you tonight. And they're not new thoughts, they're just, I hope they're timely thoughts. The first thing I see in Psalm 35 and verse 15 is the eye of the Lord are upon us. I was reading this week, looking for verses that might comfort. The eyes of the Lord are upon us, and his ears open unto their cry. First point, God knows where you're at. He always knows where we're at. Remember when we used to have that? I haven't heard it in a long time. I'm sure they still do it. End of an evening broadcast of the news, and it would say, do you know where your children are? God always knows where we're at. He knows what time it is. He knows what dilemma we're in. He knows when we're at wit's end. Amen? And we'll be there sooner or later, so I have some things I'd like to say tonight because so many are there tonight. Uh, go to Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, it's, it's the words of God to Moses and uh, when the Lord was telling him to go down to Egypt to deliver his children Israel, Moses really wasn't going along with the program here. But God gives him some information at a time that was very timely for Moses to hear. In Acts chapter 7, he said, well, I thought that would be in the Old Testament. Well, the New Testament is repeating what's already happened. And he says in Acts chapter 7, verse 30, are you there with me? Acts chapter 7, verse 30, And when the forty years were expired, they appeared unto him in the wilderness. There appeared in the wilderness on Mount Sinai, an angel of the Lord in a flame, fire, in a bush. And Moses saw it. He wondered at the sight, and as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou hast standing is holy ground. Now watch verse 34. This is so important. God speaking to Moses. I have seen 
You see that? I have seen. I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt. I have heard their groaning. I have heard. See that? And am come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send thee into Egypt. I saw those words this week. I have seen, I have seen, I have heard. God is aware. He's fully aware where you and I are at. Praise the Lord. You might in your storm say, well, nobody knows. Nobody cares. Nobody really understands. I know somebody. We all need to remember. God knows. He cares. He's aware. He's working. Unbeknownst to us, he's working in ways that we sometimes don't recognize. When the disciples, when they were in the storm with Jesus, near the Gadarenes, the Lord was from a vantage point high up, and he saw them in all their struggle. And that's when he came walking on the water. There was a, a woman, um, Sevilla Martin, in 1905. She wrote a song, God Will Take Care of You. And in that song, there's a line, His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Now, how did she come up with that? that? That's been such a comfort. She was reading in Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31, about how the Lord was watching over them in that storm. You're in a storm, know this, God is watching. You're in a storm, know this, God is aware. You're in a storm, he's allowed it for his purposes. I know of another man in the scripture, New Dome too, a man named Job. He was facing great trial, but Job did not know when that test would end. But he knew he had to endure it. He could not explain the loss of his wealth. He could not explain the loss of his children. He could not explain the, the uh, properly to his wife of his relationship with God. And he could not, listen, accept the advice of his friends. That's a hard place to be. Because oftentimes when I'm going through a trial or a trouble, I'm looking for somebody's, I'm looking for somebody spiritual to talk to, to gain something from. I'm, I'm on the phone. I got, a, I got a few preacher friends that I have confidence in their walk with God. I used to have a preacher I would call and say, Preacher, I want you to know about this. Not so I'd put more on him so that he could spiritually pray for me. But go to Job chapter 23, and during that great time of affliction, we learn more about how God is aware. He's aware of it all. In Job chapter 23, verse 8, he says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where, uh, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. Wow. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held, it, um, my foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Boy, that's a place to get when we're overwhelmed with life. But Job's saying he knows where I'm at. 
Second thing I want you to understand tonight is he has a plan that he's working on. When God allows things in our life, it's not just haphazard. You're not, God is never taken by surprise like we are. The Lord's never taken. He always knows. In Jeremiah chapter 29, in verse 11, this is a famous verse. You'll know this verse. But listen, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. I read that the other day, and I thought, God knows the end of this thing. Whatever you're going through, there is an end. Now, if it doesn't work out that way, we do know this. God, if he has an expected end, then it means that that was God's purpose. But look in the Bible. God has a plan. He had a plan in Jonah's time. He had a plan for him to be in the belly of a whale. Now that's some plan. But it was God's plan. He had a plan for Joseph. And notice, in the pit. Jonah's in the whale. And, and Joseph's in the pit. All in God's plan. Paul, where would we find Paul? In prison. Paul do anything wrong? No, it was God's plan. He's in the pit. He's in the prison. Peter, where do we find him? In jail. He do anything wrong? No, he's just serving God, preaching. They're in what, but at midnight, isn't it interesting? They're singing at midnight. God does a miraculous thing. But see, God has a plan that's different than our plan, and he's never caught off guard. God, listen, God knew what he was going to do when Israel was needing food and water. That, that didn't take God by surprise. He knew when the 5,000 were getting hungry, and he said to his men, hey, what do we got to feed these? The Lord knew what he was going to do before he ever asked that question, but he wanted somebody to step up and say, well, this isn't much, but I know you can do something with it. There's a lad's lunch over here, Lord. And what is the expected end? They got fed. They all got fed. He knew that the devil and the devils of hell were going to think that they defeated Jesus at the cross of Calvary, but that was their worst day. Because <laughs> it led to a new day three days later where Jesus rose up victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And they all thought they had won. Oh, boy. So when you get to your wit's end, remember this. Jesus has a plan. There's something going on that he's doing, and we might not understand it. But see, our ways are not his ways. His ways are much higher than our ways. We're told in Isaiah. Go to John chapter 6 tonight. John chapter 6. I'm going to see this plan again. God's aware when we're journeying past wit's end. John chapter 6 and verse 1, after these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he had did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples and the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith to Philip, Who shall we, uh, whence shall we buy bread that we may, these may eat? And here's the statement. 
And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. He knew it. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're at wit's end. Maybe you're getting close to wit's end. But God knows what he's doing. He knows where you're at. He knows what he's going to do. He knows what's going to come out of that. Amen? Brings us back to Jeremiah's thought. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you to bring you to your expected end. There's going to be an end to trials and troubles and tests and storms. They all have an end. God's end. God's way. Thirdly, God wants you to participate in the plan that he has. Hmm. Go back to Psalm 56 and look at verse 3. And the Psalms are written, of course, many of them out of uh, heartache, out of trouble. Many of them. And uh, Psalm 56 and verse 3, What time I am afraid I will trust in thee. Going back to that um, feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew chapter 14, the Lord knew what he would do, but he's looking for participation. Remember what he said to him? He said, hey, get these people to sit down in numbers, I think he said 50. They sat down, and the Lord was going to feed them. And in the end, the multitude was fed. Every need was met. Jesus had the ability and he had the plan. But you know what he was looking for? He could have done it all by himself. But he got those disciples involved. Sometimes he wants us to participate in his plan, even though we don't know the end of that plan. Sometimes the Lord is bringing it in our life so that we be more obedient to him more yielded to him, more prepared for another test. You know, when we go through things, we say, what, what? We, we try our best and we just think we've reached it. We never know that because the Lord may give us some information that help us go a little further than we thought we could. Get a little bit more out of us than we thought we could ever contribute. He has a plan. And I think what he wanted these disciples to do is participate in his plan and say, hey, do what you can do. God doesn't want us to just, you know, what would it be like if we, in all these stories, what would it be like if everybody knew the end and they just said, well, no sense in doing anything here. The Lord's going to, that's not the way it worked. The Lord brought them through and then said, hey, do your best. Do your best. Participate with this. Let me teach you something. Let me instruct you in ways. Let me let you go through this because God is planning that you don't know. You might be central to helping somebody down the road that has a similar or same problem. To comfort and aid. To be understanding. So the Lord says for us in these times where we're at wit's end, pray, hey, fast. Search the scriptures. Seek godly counsel. Stay faithful. Keep witnessing. Do the duties that you need to do, but always look to God. At wit's end, don't sit down and do nothing. Do something. But do what we've been told to do in the Scripture. Remember those four lepers? They came outside of that city, and they trying to decide, if we stay out here, we're going to die. If we go in there, we're going to die. Somebody made the statement, but why sit he, he here 
until we die. Didn't make any sense. Miracle took place because God showed up, but God was wanting them to do something. In your time at wit's end, you can do something. You can pray. You can fast. You can seek the scriptures. You can seek counsel. You can, you can ask yourself a lot of questions. You can get some sin right. A lot of things we can do while we're waiting on God's answer. I don't know why some of you are going through some deep, deep water. I don't know that, but he does. He has an expected end. It will end, and there will be an outcome. I think of Moses when he was with the people of God, and God had led him to lead them out. And his leading in the time of the Israelites was that he, he led us in a wrong way. Because remember, they got to the water, and there were two mountains on either side and Pharaoh's army behind them, and they probably thought, okay, knew if we followed that Baptist preacher, he would get us to this. But God got him to that for his purposes. And you know what he wanted them to do? Take a step. Take a step of faith and see what happens. See, they would have never got there had he not put a little pressure, caused something. 400 years in Egypt is a lot of pressure. But what was the end? They were delivered. The Lord was magnified. And they're all singing that song of Moses' song of praise to God. Took a while to get there, but they got there. Amen? Right. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says that, it, that uh, wait on the Lord. One of these days we're going to mount up with wings. But he wants us to do our part. When you get to wit's end, we're going to review here. I'm almost done. Trust him. When you get to wit's end, you know, Get involved with the plan. Participate. Do something. And then God can use the most unlikely things and people to help us in these difficult times. Go to Exodus chapter 4, and we're reading again about Moses. Exodus chapter 4. And yet, remember, when, when God was calling um, Moses, he didn't want to participate. He didn't want to get involved. He was giving God all kinds of excuses why he couldn't do what he wanted him to do. I've been there. God, you got the wrong guy. This is not my wheelhouse. This is not what I do best. But then the Lord said, no, wait a minute. I got a plan. Your job is to participate in the plan. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1, And Moses answered and said, Behold, but behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Verse 10, and Moses said unto the Lord, I am not eloquent, neither there hitheretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. I'll just, for time's sake, say, you know what God says? Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll give you Aaron. God didn't want Aaron. He was just trying to help Moses with this job that God had for him. When Israel was at its wit's end, God still had a plan when God was dealing with Israel throughout their history, God had many people that you and I wouldn't choose to do what needed to be done. In the book of Judges, you ever read the book of Judges and see the different people that God chose to use? I would have passed them all up. 
Gideon, what's he doing? He's hiding behind a wine press. He comes from the poorest family, the smallest village. That's what our God does. You keep, that's where he gets the maximum glory. Jephna, he's born of a harlot. He was an outcast. You remember, it got so bad in leadership that at that time, and please, women, don't be offended at me, but God had to take Deborah and use her. God's intent was to use all the men, the leaders, but he couldn't find one. So he used Deborah, Barak. Go on a little bit in the history of Israel, and you see Naaman. Naaman's in trouble. He's a leper. What did God do? Use a little maid. Got taken into captivity. Oh, that was an accident. No. God allowed it for his plan and his purposes. And God was praised. I, 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 we don't need to insult God by telling him he can't do this or that and he can't use this one or that one. You know God can use you. Not me. Yeah, you. Well, I'm not even passing the test right now, Pastor. I'm at wit's end. I'm ready. To, I'm at the end of my rope. God's still got something for you to do, friend. So, yeah, in, in my past, when I was busy doing this, or in my past, my wife and I were doing that. And, no, no. He's got work for you still to do. But I'm, I'm at my end of my rope. I'm at wit's end. Oh, I know. God knows too. He's trying to nudge. He's trying to get a little bit more out of you. Are you going to trust him? He knows where you're at. He knows what he's going to do. He's waiting for you to participate with the plan. Amen. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. I'm going to wrap it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Paul writes, and you've got to always remember this. When Paul's writing, he's writing with the leading of God. These are... This is the word of God God was bringing through Paul, his pen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now verse 30 is where I'm getting to. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, whom of God is made unto wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We come to the end of our, our wit's end. What did wit's end mean? Wit means wisdom. Knowledge, ability, stored up experiences. When you come to all that, you've forgotten something. God's wisdom. God's wisdom. When we have sought every means whereby we can fix a problem or get understanding of why I'm in this problem, you forgot something. You forgot God. You forgot God. We can't rely on our own resources. We must re rely on him. We've seen that over and over. Israel's out in the wilderness. God provides food. Can God set a table in the wilderness? That's the question, right? Of course he can. He showed them. We need to listen to the Lord. 
I can't help it. I got to read this one more in Psalm 78. It'd be all right if I read out of the Bible, right? I knew you'd go along with me there. <coughs> Psalm 78, look at verse 16. <coughs> and I am hastening. He brought streams, Psalm 78, verse 16. He brought streams also out of the rock, and he caused water to run down like rivers, and they sinned yet more against him by provoking the most holy in the wilderness. <laughs> My goodness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? We know the answer. We read the story. Of course. What was wrong with Israel? What's wrong with us? Can God do anything with this mess? Can God fix this dilemma? Can anything good come out of all this? Yeah. Sure enough. But if it's going to come, it's going to come out of God. But we don't know, but he knows. When you get to wit's end, it's time to trust him even more than you ever have in your life. He has the ability. And he's brought us this way because he... He has some things he's wanted us to learn. Let me ask you a question. I don't know what all your problems are. You know what they are. Individual families, individual relationships, individual situations. What have you learned? I encourage you this week, don't take the negative route. Take the positive route. Start writing down some things you've learned through your situation. You'll find out that God's been working. Maybe God's preparing you for something else. For somebody else. Amen? Write it down. Look at it. What have you learned? He wants us to learn that we can trust him when we can't see him. He wants us to know that nothing is impossible with God. He wants us to know that he is sovereign. He wants us to know he has a plan, and that plan will come to fruition. He wants us to know that there's blessing in deliverance and comfort when it doesn't come. You know, some people get delivered. You know, some people don't. And when they don't, it's because God wanted it so, and we may never understand why. He wants us to share with others what he's done. And, and I'll give you this and I'm done. I got really excited when I thought of this. Go back in your mind's eye, if you would, to that wilderness picnic of plenty, the 5,000 that were fed with the little boy's lunch and so forth. When it was all over, how many baskets were left? Twelve. They all got their need met too. But you know what was pretty neat about that? The Lord gave this lad a story to tell the rest of his life. Ah, I don't think that I don't think that lad I think he went through his entire life telling people about how Jesus used him and his little lunch and so he was a witness for Christ the rest of his life. 
the disciples. He brought things in their life so they could share the lesson over and over and over and over and over to our day. You know, these things that are written in here are from those men that went through those problems. I like this one. The crowd had their need met of 5,000, not counting the women and children, so maybe 10, maybe 10 plus. And they went out and reported what Jesus did. 10,000 times. People heard that story of what Jesus did. The little, Lord, the little lad told his part of it. The disciples told their part of it. But then the people that got their need met, they went out and told. The thing is, God is doing things, and guess what? We can watch him do some things. It'll come to an end. It'll come to fruition. And our job is to go and tell everybody what the Lord has done. How he's brought it th us through. How he's comforted our hearts. How he's made us a, a person helpful to others that have crossed our path. All kinds of things we can go with that. Amen? We're sailing, thank you. We're sailing through wit's end. It, you'll get past it. It won't be easy, but you'll get past it. And then you'll have a story to tell. We talked, the ladies sang the song. Everybody can tell how they came to know the Lord. Every one of you will be able to tell a story of how God intervened and how God worked. And maybe one of these days you'll get the answer you've wanted of why. Someday he'll let you tell that story. We're focusing on the Bible with the conference. We have an infallible chart. It's called the Bible. And we have an, a sure anchor, which is the Lord. And we have an unsinkable ship, which is the church. And we have an all-sufficient captain, and his name is Jesus. So we're on the sea. Sometimes it's going to be smooth sailing. Other times we're going to have storms. Sometimes we're even get to the point of wit's end. But you know, they moved on. So will we. If somebody can help you, let them. If God is trying to work through others to bring you help, answers, blessing, encouragement, let them. Amen? Especially... Don't forget about God. Don't turn him away. Don't shut him off. Don't get bitter and angry with him. Amen? Let's bow our heads if we would. Every head bowed tonight. We're done. I, I, got a, I got a feeling there's many of you that are at wit's end tonight. When all else fails, don't forget God. Don't leave God out.